I was at breakfast with some friends of mine. And they were all pastors, actually. We were pastors talking with each other. And the subject got around to the time we had woken up uh, that morning. And I said I had woken up before 6 o'clock. And I knew that I hadn't woken up before 6 o'clock. In fact, I knew I had woken up a little late that morning. But for some reason, I said that I had woken up before 6. There was something within me that wanted to convey to these guys something about myself that I thought would cause them to think better about me. I, something about me that I didn't want them to think I was lazy that day or something else. And so I told them that I had woken up at a time I really hadn't. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you say something that you think is going to make yourself look better, but you know really isn't completely the truth about the situation? Why do we do those things? Maybe you're a student trying out for a sports team and you really want to make the team. And you tried your hardest. You went all out. You, you gave 100%. You were ready. You did everything you could, but you still didn't make the cut. And you're disappointed and you're upset. And your friend asks you, you know, how's the tryouts going? And you can't hide the fact that you got cut, so you say that. But then you follow it up with, well, you know, I really wasn't 100%. I was kind of under the weather. And, and really, you know, I'm not even sure I want to be on the team anyway. I mean, all the practices and traveling is going to take time away from my homework and, and all the other stuff I have. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really think I want to be on the team anyways. Why do we do that? Why do, we, why do we do that? Why, don't we, why are we not honest with one another? Why do we do that? And is there a danger in acting that way and talking that way to one another? Or you're talking, maybe you're a grandmother and you're talking to one of your friends and she's talking about her grandkids. And she's saying how they call every day and they video her and she's so thankful for the times that she spends with them and and you haven't heard from your grandkids in months. And you're hurt. And you're disappointed. And then she asks you, well, how are your grandkids doing? And you say, oh, they're great. They're busy. I mean, after all, they look busy from the pictures their parents post on Facebook. But you're not really honest with about how you feel. Why do we do that? Is there a danger in doing that? Or you jump on a Zoom work meeting and it's just the two of you on, uh, you and a colleague from work who knew that you had a big weekend planned. This is Monday morning and you jump on Monday morning and your colleague asks, hey, how was your weekend? And the truth is you did have a great weekend planned. You were going to go away. You had a hotel booked in the, in the White Mountains and you guys were finally going to, you and your spouse were finally going to have a weekend away. But before you left just as you were leaving the house. You got into a huge blowout. And doors were slammed. And suitcases were thrown. And you ended up spending the weekend in different parts of the house. You ate a carton of ice cream and binge watched Netflix. But what you say is, oh, we decided to have a quiet weekend at home. Why do we do that? And is there a danger when we do that? 
I think the reason why we do that is this. The reason is because you know who you really are. Because you know who you really are, you know that no one else can know who you really are. I think part of the reason we do this, the reason we're not completely honest, the reason we we don't really share with people around us is because we know who we are. And we know who we're really, and because we know who we really are, we think we know that no one else can really know who we are. Uh, the truth is that covering up parts of ourselves that we think are unattractive or that we think people won't like is nothing new. And it's certainly nothing new to this series where we're talking about digitally remastered, digital communication, social media, our phones, and the technological world we live in. It's certainly nothing new that was invented or created during this time. And you might say, well, it's only natural not to share those things and to cover those things up. And I would say, you're right. It is natural. But not everything that comes naturally to us is good for us. In fact, this idea of covering and hiding ourselves from each other goes actually all the way back to the beginning of the story of humanity. If we go back to the beginning of the Bible, if we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and the creation of man and the creation of woman and God creating the garden and putting them in here, we see from the very beginning this This concept and this way we relate to one another, where we cover parts of ourselves that we don't want other people to see, is there right from the beginning. And I think it's continued in us ever since. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, right in the beginning of the story, if you're not familiar with, this is the account of God's creation of of all the, the earth and the world, but also God's creation of humanity And in verse 6, part of the God's creation was this. God created this world and he created humanity, but he wanted to be in real relationship with humanity. He wanted the opportunity not to create some kind of robot that would have to serve him. He could do that very easily. He wanted to create a part of his creation that would be in a real relationship with him. And the only way to do that would be to give this part of his creation the free will to choose not to be in relationship with him. And the way God chose to do that was to create this beautiful garden and all these gifts and all these trees and all this. It was wonderful. And just give them one tree that he would say, uh, don't eat of this tree. And part of it was that was what the relationship was based on. A trust in God, a love for him, a trust that what he says is best for them. And so he created this within it with them having the opportunity not to love and to serve him. And that's the road that Adam and Eve, these first humans that God created, chose to take. Let's not be too hard on them. It's probably the road many of us choose often when we choose to go our own way. And then, so this is what happened. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that tree that God had put there to, to, uh, to be able to kind of show their love for him, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. The eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Their eyes were open. What were their eyes open to? Well, for the first time, their eyes were opened to the idea of guilt and shame. For the first time in creation, the idea was that there was guilt and shame. What is guilt? Guilt is I've done something wrong. Shame is the feeling that I am wrong. 
And those things were not present in creation, but instantly in this moment, suddenly they looked at each other and they felt guilt and they felt shame. And what was their reaction? We need to cover ourselves up. I don't want you to see me and I don't want to see you. And so they started, they sewed fig leaves together and they covered themselves up to hide their guilt, their shame in an attempt to hide it and to hide themselves from each other. And we have been tying digital fig leaves around ourselves and fig leaves around in all kinds of ways ever since. Constantly tying fig leaves, hiding ourselves from one another, covering ourselves up from one another. I think ever since, this is nothing new. This isn't something new, this idea that we can hide from each other. We have just recently though, given ourselves a capacity like never has existed in the history of the world to hide ourselves from other people. We've always had it. Like I could always tell you what I want you to hear and withhold information I don't want you to hear. Or if I'm writing you a letter, I can write what I want and I can leave out what I don't want. That's always been there. But with digital communication, when I say digital communication, I'm talking texting, phone, the way we primarily communicate with one another and with social media, we have suddenly given ourselves a tool that I can hide myself from more people, the real me, than ever before in human history. I don't have to be known by almost anybody. See, before, you'd have to have some kind of lengthy human interaction around people. At some point in your day, at some point in your world. Now we literally can almost avoid all human contact we don't want in our lives. No one gets to see the whole game anymore. See, what happens is nobody gets to see the real you. All they see is the highlight real you. All they see is the highlight real that, that you want them to see. All they see is the shots that we made because that's what we put out there. It used to be that at some point, somebody would have to see the real you. They'd be around you long enough to see the whole game. They'd see not only the shots you made, but they'd see the shots you missed. They'd see the time you lost the ball. They'd see the time you lost your temper with the other team. But now we have created a way that no one gets to see the real me anymore. And more and more people know less and less about you. More and more people know less and less about you. And we all do it. We all do it. This is the, this is the guy that uh, has no pants on in a Zoom meeting, right? I mean, you're only going to see what I want you to see. So what's the point? This is the Instagram photo that I have put filter over filter over filter and change this and change that until it's the exact picture I want you to see. And then I put that out there and you never get to see the raw photo. You never get to see the actual photo. This is the cropped shot where I have taken the shot and I have cropped out everything I don't want you to see. I've cropped out my messy life. I've cropped out those things that I'm embarrassed of. And I only let you see what I want you to see. 
This is the text message conversation that I wrote and deleted and wrote and deleted and wrote and deleted until I finally got the exact words that I want you to think about me and I send it. And you say, what's wrong with that? In some ways, nothing, but there used to be a time when you were in a conversation and I made a mistake in my words or I hesitated or I said something wrong and you had to say, that's okay, I forgive you. I do that too. Now we don't do that. Edit yourself. Delete it first. Why did you send that? People only see the highlight reel now. Nobody sees the real you, the real me. This is the Facebook stream that's a billboard and not a diary, but suddenly we think this is actually people's real lives. This is the 200th family photo that got taken and you don't get to see the first 199. This is the ghosted text conversation, the unreturned call, because I don't want you to see the real me. And the question is, this is, we have this capacity, but is there a danger in it? Is there a danger in all this primping and preening and self-editing and deleting and, and filtering? What's the danger in all this? And I think there are two. I think there's a danger to our relationship with each other, but I think there's also a danger to our relationship with God. And the danger to our relationship with each other is this. That if nobody ever knows the real you and they only know the highlight real you, then you know that when that person says, I love you, they don't really love you. They love the you that you've put out there. They love the false you. They love the created you. They love the filtered you. They love the cropped you. And you and I end up going through life and we start getting lonelier and lonelier because more and more people know us less and less. And we're going, how can we feel lonely? I'm connected to so many people. I've got so many quote unquote friends. I've got so many connections. I've got so many people. I know more people than I've ever known. How can I possibly feel alone and lonely? Because nobody really knows us. Because we've put out there this idea that this is who we are, and if that's who you love, you don't know me, so you don't really love me. So I feel alone. And when we start feeling alone, then we start, it gets dangerous. Especially for young people, and I want parents to hear this. Because it gets dangerous when we start looking at everyone else through their billboard, and only ourselves through our diary, and we see everyone else through the filter, and we see ourselves honestly, and it starts getting dangerous for ourselves. Some statistics, I mentioned last week the uh, Netflix documentary Social Dilemma that I do recommend to you if you haven't had a chance to watch it. They had some CDC statistics on that, especially about young girls. And they said this, U.S. hospital admissions for non-fatal self-harm for girls age 15 to 19 since 2009 or the second half, second decade in this 21st century is up 62%. And for girls 10 to 14, preteen girls, non-fatal, self-harm, up 189% since 2009. And before that, it was relatively stable. Not that it never happened, but it happened at low amounts, and it was stable, and it hadn't spiked. And all of a sudden, it's gone on this curve, up 189% for non-fatal self-harm. And also, according to the CDC, U.S. suicide rates for girls, young girls, 15 to 19, up 70% since, 2019, since 2009. And for girls aged 10 to 14, up 151%. 10 to 14. 
suicide rates since 2010. It was relatively stable before that. The number was not that it never happened, but it was at a low rate, and all of a sudden it starts spiking. And what do we see? Well, this could be, a, you know, any individual case, obviously, you'd have to look at. But when these numbers start spiking like this, it says, well, what happens then? What happened then? What happened around that time? Right around that time. It's the first time. This is the first generation that grew up with access to social media on a cell phone in middle school. It's the first generation, right around that time, you started to get social media on your cell phone, and these kids were in middle school. And all of a sudden, they look at everyone else's perfect life, and they look at their life, and they say, there's a problem. And it's a pain that's created in relationships. It's a pain that's created within us, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And we have this idea that, that, this, that we are looking for real relationships and we're going to find them. But the truth is we've gone about it in a way that is not helpful and is not healthy. And how do you avoid it? You have to put yourselves, how do, you, how do you fix this? I think one way you have to put yourselves into intentional places where you don't get to click the self-edit button before somebody sees you. You got to put yourselves in relationships in places where people get to see the whole game in some ways. I had to go back to that group of pastors an hour later when I got home. And I texted them, of all things. <laughs> but I texted them. And I said, hey guys, I lied to you this morning. I said, it's not a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me. And it's important that I tell you that I really didn't get up at 6.30 or 6. I got up at whatever, 6.30, whatever I got up at night. And I said, I know it sounds small to you, but if we're going to be honest with each other and we're going to be in relationship with each other, we have to be honest. And so, and what did they do? They blocked me. They cut me off. They said, ah, yeah, we don't want you. Of course not, because that's not what would happen to you either. But we somehow think if we let the real us show that that's what people will do. In fact, what it did was open up channels for more communication. You ever play hide-and-seek as a kid? You ever play hide-and-seek as a kid? When you play hide-and-seek, you ever play hide-and-seek and nobody finds you? And when you play hide-and-seek and nobody finds you, you win, right? You were the best hider. <clears throat> you win. But when we do this in our lives and we play hide and we hide ourselves from each other, you lose when nobody finds you. Because if you're never found, you're never known. And if you're never known, you're never loved. And that's sad, but it's not fatal. What's really fatal is when we take this into our relationship with God. Because what happens is we take this same mentality into our relationship with God. And hiding from one another is sad and it's painful and it makes us feel alone. But hiding from God has eternal consequences. And it gets us to believe lies about ourselves and about God that aren't true. See, Adam and Eve didn't just hide from each other. They hid from God. Going back to Genesis chapter 3 in verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God didn't ask, where are you? Because he didn't know where they were. He asked, where are you? Because he needed Adam to admit that he was hiding from God. 
See, when we, we are aware of our guilt and our shame, when we're aware of our real selves, not our highlight real self, what we do is we hide ourselves from each other, but we also hide ourselves from God. We try and hide ourselves because we think if I can put the filtered and the crop self, not only will other people like me, but maybe God will like me and maybe God will love this self. But it's just not true because the truth is God sees everything and hiding and covering doesn't keep you from getting hurt. It keeps you from being found by others and by God. Jeremiah chapter 23 Verse 24 says this, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I mean, it's a joke, right, to think that we could hide ourselves from God? They couldn't hide in the trees of the garden, and you can't hide either. He's there. He sees it. He's with you. But here's the thing. Here's what I want us to get this morning. Here's what I'm bringing us all home to. When we take this mentality of hiding and covering into our relationship with God, we miss one of the biggest truths of the gospel that God wants you to know. We missed one of the most important aspects of God's love for us that we're supposed to grasp. We miss one of the most important things God wants to tell us. When we try and hide our real selves and put our highlight real self before God, what we do, what we miss is God's genuine and the most love that he can show to us. Because Romans chapter 5 verse 7 says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare die. But God shows his love for us in that, listen to this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to continue on a little bit in that passage. It says, goes on, this passage goes on to say this. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved for him by his wrath. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. This is the love of God. And here's what God is saying. Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, he's saying this. Look, if there's a righteous person, and by that he means someone you don't know, but everyone knows is a righteous person. Let's, whoever that is, let's say Mother Teresa. Right, uh, someone that does good in the world, gives their life on behalf of others. Someone might die for them. Maybe. They're righteous. If, if for some reason there was a need for it. And they said, if there's a good person, the good person, Paul's defining, is someone you know who's been really good to you, been really generous to you, like you know them personally, and they've been good to your family, and they've been good to you. Someone might die for them. I mean, maybe. If you needed to, like you had to give up something, to lay down your life for them. That might happen. But nobody, nobody dies for the evil person. Nobody's laying down their life for the conniver, the manipulator, the pain inflicting, the adulterer, the murderer, the abuser, the extorter. The no one's laying their life down for that person. And Paul says this, God's love for you is shown in this. 
that while you are still a sinner, that that's you, that you're the manipulator. You're the one who's, you know, lost your temper. You're the one who hasn't hit the mark. You're the one who hasn't, you know, made the grade. You're the one who's failed. That real self that only you know, those thoughts that you have that you don't want to share with people, that, that real self that nobody else gets to see. God sees it. God knows it. And he laid his life down so that you would know how much he loves you because he wants you. He says, you don't have to bring the cropped self. You come to me, we'll clean that up. I'll clean that up. You come to me, we'll work on that. I'll work on that. And when you and I buy into this lie that we have to filter ourselves and we have to clean ourselves up and we can only show others and we can only show God the highlight reel and that's the reel they're gonna love, we miss the most important truth that God wants us to hear and that is that you and I are sinners. We miss the mark and God knows it and he made a way that we might get back to him through laying down his life for us. That he loves you. That he loves you. He sees that you don't make it. He knows it. And he loves you. And that's what we're missing. We're missing the idea that someone can see you and fully know you and love you. And so we're lonely and we're alone. Sometimes you share a message. I want, uh, just before I close this message, I want to share something with you. Sometimes poets and uh, songwriters put things in a way that capture the truth of God's word in a way that I think is really helpful. I don't usually do this. Uh, in fact, I can't remember the last time I've done this. But I want to show you a song and a video that I heard recently and I thought this is what God's word is saying. This is, this is what this message of, is saying. It's called uh, Truth Be Told. It's a song by Matthew West that has come out fairly recently. And I want you to take a moment to listen to these words, to this video, and think about places in your life where you may be hiding and covering and where you need to come honest with God. And then I'll come back and I'll pray for us and we'll close our message out and respond to God's word. Take a look at this video. Listen to what it has to say. Lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours so keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. But truth be told, the truth is rarely told. I say I'm fine, yeah I'm fine, oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's and you know it I don't know why it's so hard to admit it When being honest is the only way to fix it There's no failure, no fall There's no sin you don't already know So let the truth be told There's a 
There's a sign on the door that says come as you are, but I doubt it. Cause if we live like that was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick, the sinner and the scarred and the prodigals like me. Well, truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Oh, am I the only one who says I'm fine? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control. But it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. Being honest is the only way to fix it There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin You don't already know So let the truth be told Can I really stand here unashamed Knowing that your love for me won't change Oh God, if that's really true Then let the truth be told I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not. And you know it, I don't know why it's so hard to admit it, when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin, you don't already know, yeah, I know. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Just do other people. What am I saying? What do, what do we do? I'm not saying you go and put all your stuff out there to everybody. No one wants you to do that. But you got to do it with somebody. And most of us aren't doing it with anybody. You got to be honest with somebody and take a step out. Be honest with each other. But even more important than that, <clears throat> you will never understand God's love for you <clears throat> until you understand that God sees it all and God knows you and he loves you. That you will never understand the truth of the gospel. You will never understand the depth of what it means to be created and loved by God until you understand that God knows the places where you have messed up and you have fallen. God knows those places where you fall short. He sees it. And he loves you. And he died for you. Not so that you can crop the shot and so that you can put the filter on, but so that you come to Jesus and he puts the filter on. And he cleans you up. And he leads you in his ways. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, as we come this morning, God, this is the truth that we don't even often realize is a problem for us. God, it's become so a part of who we are. It's become so a part of our nature. It's become so a part of our life that we are just constantly 
putting an image out and trying to fix ourselves and trying to look good in the eyes of other people and trying to look good in your eyes and somehow hoping, hoping, hoping <clears throat> that we'll be loved. But God, we've got it so backwards. So Lord, help us. Help us to understand to a greater extent your love for us and that we can't truly be known unless we're found. And we can't truly be loved unless we come out of hiding. As we're praying and as our eyes are closed and our head are bowed, maybe you're here this morning and that's you and you feel like today you just need to come out of hiding with God. And you need to just come and understand and know this God who loves you and who sees everything in your life, who sees you and loves you who sees it, he knows it, and he still sent his son to die for you, that you might have life in him. If that's you here this morning, then I encourage you to accept the Lord's invitation, to accept that love into your life, to give your life into his hands, because he is the only one who sees it all and loves you, who knows it all and loves you, who created you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I pray that this morning that you would open up your heart to the true love that God offers. And it's simple. God hasn't made it hard in your own heart, in your own seat, in your own place where you are to just say, Lord, <clears throat> that's me. I've been hiding from you. I've been hiding like Adam and Eve in the garden. I've been hiding myself. I've been trying to clean myself up. I've been trying to hide my guilt and my shame. But this morning, I want to come clean. I want to say, and I want to recognize that you see it and you know me. And I want to give my life over to you to understand your love for me. And you are invited to do that. God invites you into relationship with him. He invites you into relationship with him to be known and loved. To walk in his ways, to understand what his best is for you and what he created you for. Not only forgiveness of your guilt and your shame, but the purpose that he has for your life. And so if that's you, I encourage you at this moment where you are to turn your life over to him to say, Lord, I want to come out of hiding. Lord, I want to trust my life to you. Lord, I don't even know all what this means right now, but I want that love. I want the love of a God who fully knows me and loves me, and I want that this morning. Lord, I pray for the people that may be praying that prayer right now for the first time or just recommitting to being known by you, that you would reaffirm your love for us, that you would help us to understand that while we were sinners, while we were evil, while we were enemies of you, that you died for us. You didn't wait for us to crop the shot, but you died for us because you love us. So I pray for that person, Lord, that you would lead them and help them to understand your love in a greater way. Now, Lord, as we go from this place today, I ask that you would lead us, help us to walk in authentic relationship with people in our lives and with you, God. And then may we walk fully known and fully loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
If you did, for the first time, pray that prayer and you're committing your life to follow the Lord, then on that connect, digital connect card, there's a place that you can let us know that, and then we will get in contact with you and help you as you begin to follow and walk with the Lord.